Hi, I'm Molly Weinberg, and I'm a Philly-based lifestyle influencer who gives all the deets when it comes to wellness, travel, even entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Molly Weinberg Podcast, where I chat with experts ranging from gut health specialists to fashion icons and everything in between. I want to share all the specifics to help you live your best life. I'm not sparing any details. Yep, no questions are off limits. Every week, you will walk away from each episode feeling more motivated and more informed than before. Tune in weekly to the Molly Weinberg Podcast to never miss a beat. Like if you're listening and you only take one thing away, don't drive on psychedelics, please. Like that's the only like lesson I want to teach with that. <laughs> I made so many rookie mistakes. Like I had no idea like driving would be um, so unsafe. Actually, it was like quite scary and I really regret doing that. Hello, hello, and welcome back. In this episode, you will hear from Michelle Janikian, who is a journalist and the author of Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion, the down-to-earth guide that details everything you need to know about taking magic mushrooms safely and mindfully. Michelle actively covers psychedelic and cannabis education, harm reduction, and more. So much of her work has been featured in Playboy, Rolling Stone, High Times, and others. Michelle is really passionate about the potential of psychedelic substances. She wants to reframe the stigma against these drugs and definitely talk about legalization. You'll actually hear in this episode, I share my personal story of taking mushrooms. She shares a ton of tips. Her book is gold, by the way. And we both agree pooping at the end of your come down is hard, literally. With that, let's begin. Michelle, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I am freaking excited to dive in, let me tell you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> I want to start with asking you, how did you become such a professional at this topic? It is kind of a long story, but I'll try to do the short version. So I always wanted to be a writer. I've always really been into the counterculture and just kind of like punk rock culture, stuff like that. But I didn't really, you know, envision how they would come together when I was like a young person, you know, like looking at writing programs at undergrad and stuff like that. You know, I started writing about cannabis in like a journalistic way, I guess it's like over five years ago at this point. And it was really fun. It's really interesting. And I started one of my first articles was for High Times Magazine, which was such like a, you know, big deal for me as just like a, you know, a counterculture type like person. And and it really like took off kind of fast. And in the five years ago, right, like cannabis was in a much different place than it is right now. It was like only legal in like Colorado. And it was this very like small nascent industry where now, you know, in 2021, it's like, it's finally legal in my home states, which is crazy. It took, I'm from New York, New Jersey. It took forever for cannabis to, you know, get to, it's not even on the market yet, but um, get to where it is now. And just like this public acceptance, my job and all the other like cannabis and drug media reporters and stuff, I think we had a big role to play in how we've kind of like change the image of these these drugs essentially right from this it's gonna make you go crazy or make you lazy or like whatever to these kind of like acceptable pastimes and medicines and so working in cannabis for just or reporting on it for just a little while it was kind of a natural progression to start writing about psychedelics. Cannabis is not a gateway drug, but I will say that cannabis and mushrooms do go very hand in hand, I think. In all seriousness, I got some like requests from editors just like, you know, do you have experience or like interest in writing about other drugs, essentially? An editor at Playboy asked me that like years ago. And I was like, well, funny wow. you should ask. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I've just like been privy to this scene for a long time and didn't even really put it together until I started getting requests that this could be like a viable like job option, right? A career to like follow drug trends and educate people on harm reduction and safe use and all this kind of stuff. So I started writing about psychedelics pretty quickly. And, you know, then the book happened and I wrote this book. Your Psilocybin Mushroom Companion. About it's two so years good. ago. 
Alrighty, thank you. So straightforward uh, and so many amazing takeaways. Whether you have just a million questions about psilocybin or you want you know, to have a really good first experience or you maybe you've been dabbling and you just want to learn a little more now that you got to get the gist, fantastic. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and that was the point. So I'm really glad that you say that. That was the whole point. So I've been working in this space for a little while. And I guess like for me, you know, I'm not, I don't come from this like, yoga spiritual wellness world like i get it and it's kind of cool and like you know working in cannabis i was writing about cbd a lot and i got to know that like wellness space a lot and once you transition into psychedelics it's very like new age spiritual and there's nothing wrong with that but it just didn't really speak to me like you know i'm just like not from that world not from California. I didn't grow up doing yoga. Like it felt made me feel a little uncomfortable. I didn't really get what they were talking about. And it felt a little exclusive and like not for me. And I thought that maybe a lot of other folks like me who are still curious about mushrooms and psychedelics, maybe wanted a resource that was like a little less, you know, not like less woo woo, but kind of like woo woo is great. And so interesting. And once you start experimenting like it becomes more and more clear that maybe that stuff is real and it's interesting but like you know just getting into it i just wanted to have a straightforward guide on like yeah how to use mushrooms and it's pretty applicable to other classic psychedelics like lsd or something how do you use these things in just like a safe and responsible way the original pitch was kind of a joke but it was like how do you trip like an adult you know like how do we do this that's just, awesome. like like a safe, you know, it's a Saturday, I have no responsibilities, I'm not like ruining my whole life by doing this. I'm just like trying to go a little deep and see, yeah. you know, what's under the veil, what it can teach me. And so that's what the book is. Every chapter is like a topic on these like kind of just like safety, responsible use issues. Like, you know, how do you prepare your situation because especially with psychedelics um, and arguably cannabis the more relaxing like chill comfortable environment you're in the easier it will be to just kind of like let go to the experience and let it happen rather than like fight it and get a lot of anxiety about you know what's going on in your surroundings and that's a concept we call set and setting in psychedelics there's all these like lingo that i don't want to start with i want to explain it to folks first and i just wanted to just like demystify it for folks and to show them what I do, I interviewed a lot of other just like regular mushroom users as well as experts. Just like get a feel for what the culture's doing. So if you're hearing about mushrooms, you know, on TV, on podcasts, it's like all over the media lately, and you're getting a little curious um, that my book would be this resource for just like how to do this all or figure it all out or understand it in just like a straightforward way. Absolutely. You just sparked so many questions in my head that I'm trying to <laughs> compose myself. So for you personally, what came first? You were asked to start writing about mushrooms or you had already dabbled with mushrooms and it was an easy progression for you? Yeah, that's a good question. So both. Like I had dabbled in mushrooms as a younger person. Um, I was getting asked to write about mushrooms in like my late 20s. I'm now in my early 30s. And my first mushroom experience was at 17. 17. Yeah. And you drove. Oh, my God. I know. It's pretty stupid. Like, if you're listening, and you only take one thing away. Don't drive on psychedelics, please. Like, that's the only like lesson I want to teach with that. <laughs> and that's the intro to my book. Um, thank you. Clearly, you read it. <laughs> and uh, I gave away a little tidbit. I made so many rookie mistakes. Like I had no idea like driving would be um, so unsafe. Actually, it was like quite scary and I really regret doing that. Never done it after. But um, just not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And it is kind of a big deal. And so I do encourage folks to kind of like just make it one in like your preparation act, like whether that's some kind of ritual or ceremony or just like cleaning your house and buying some comfort food and like getting all your softest blankets out like that's you know it can be whatever for whoever the book isn't like step one do this step two do that and you'll have a good trip it's just like this is some advice pick and choose what feels right to you that's like really what this whole game is about like kind of listening to your intuition and and seeing where it takes you i think it's really special because it's essentially an outline and then you need to fill in the bullets 
So it's like f- filling in. Like you a know, choose your own adventure you. kind of. like yeah. Exactly. For your first time too, you want to be like extra careful. And then once you start getting used to the experience and different dose levels and all these kinds of things, maybe like tripping or having your experience outside at a campsite is maybe like a little bit more of an advanced skill. Maybe get used to it a bit first and then try that because it can be really magical to do it outside. But And it can be for your first time if you have maybe like a safe and sober trip sitter. This is another topic I cover. Let's go <laughs> to the basics. So what makes a mushroom a psychedelic? Yeah, that's a good question. So mushrooms are in the tryptamine family of drugs and they're psychedelic, you know, technically because they interact with a specific like receptor in your brain, the serotonin 2A receptor. But I think more like emotionally and subjectively, it's because they give you this expanded mind feeling like you can understand a little bit more than your everyday experience or kind of like the perspective of others a little more well or the perspective of like mother earth or that tree you're staring at it can get a little weird (laughs) but the word psychedelic kind of roughly means like mind manifesting so it kind of just can be just like this mind exploration experience and that's kind of how i define a psychedelic just kind of this like mind opening experience Mm -hmm. And that can mean a lot of things for different folks and at different doses. Like, you know, there can be this visual experience that's not, you know, it doesn't happen for everyone. It really depends on so many things. But yeah, it's just kind of like this different space than your normal everyday life where time feels quite different. Your body, your mind, they all feel a bit different. And that can be a little disconcerting at first, especially as you're in the first like hour or two as you're kind of like coming up into the full experience, I think that's when folks get a little bit of anxiety. So there can be a little bit of anxiety. You know, you can kind of breathe through it and walk yourself through it. Touched on this in the very beginning about LSD also being in this family of... Tryptamines. Tryptamines. Yeah. What's the main difference or why would one pick mushrooms over LSD or vice versa to experience maybe this enlightening moment? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's one that folks were still trying to like figure out. But subjectively, like in my personal experience and like my, you know, friends and colleagues who we talk about this kind of stuff is they're very similar. They like react on the same receptors in your brain. But LSD and mushrooms are a bit different. I would say that LSD, well, for most folks, LSD lasts longer, which is like, I think maybe the main just like constant difference. But for me personally, mushrooms are a little bit more of an emotional experience. Like I go a little bit more into myself and my history. It's just very personal. And that can be a little hard. Like I can do a lot of crying on mushrooms. I can do a lot of grieving for stuff I didn't even know was still kind of hurting me and things like that, where that doesn't come up as often on LSD for me. And I think for a lot of other folks that I talk to, LSD, somehow it can feel a little bit more external. It can be like a little bit easier to take a low dose of LSD with friends and still kind of like chat and have a good time where mushrooms I feel like very deep in my own like soul place and the thought of like trying to interact with anyone is like a bit difficult and really not the point often for me. I like to do it like alone or if I'm with a close friend, you know, we're just kind of like holding hands and having our own experience just like with each other. But yeah, LSD is a little bit less personal somehow. I will also say that I personally get a lot more visuals, just like kind of things moving and swaying and making shapes on LSD than mushrooms, but that's not everyone. Where are mushrooms grown and how do you know if mushrooms are truly safe to take? So you can get mushrooms in a lot of different ways, right? You can buy them from someone and then knowing they're safe is kind of like a trust thing. got to trust that person. The telltale sign that it's a psilocybin containing mushroom is that it bruises 
blue. And so even the dry ones that you buy, that they, they look, you're like, oh, are they moldy? But they're actually probably just bruised a little. They can also be a little moldy. So you should check. That could make you a little extra nauseous. But typically it's just bruising. But I will say if you're trying to find them in nature and forage them, you really have to know 100% before eating something that you pick in the wild because that can be dangerous. And actually, you know, there's some silly stat where like no one really – it's mushrooms aren't really toxic in a way that you can overdose on them like other substances it would take like your almost like half your body weight in mushrooms to which no one eats more than like maybe 10 15 grams at really 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 high doses so you know you're not gonna hurt yourself that way but you know a few folks do die every year misidentifying mushrooms so you really got to be safe but you can also grow your own mushrooms it's not that hard it is a bit of an experiment i think it was a pretty popular quarantine hobby like this time last year to for folks to learn it's not legal though so you know some places it's been decriminalized for personal use but you know be careful out there everybody i remember seeing blue on a mushroom and thinking like, oh my God, this is the poisonous one. We have a poisonous one. And then turns out it wasn't. <laughs> There's other species of mushrooms that look quite blue, but the bruising blue thing is pretty exclusive to psilocybin. So yeah, that's like a good sign or like they get so like fat and like that they just start to like turn blue in nature. They're really beautiful. It's wild to see. Yeah. I appreciate that you are speaking from personal experience. So I'm going to do the same. When I was a senior, I want to say in college, I tried for my first time and I was so stupid because I took some and I was like, I don't feel it was maybe 30 minutes had passed. And I was like, I don't feel anything. Like I clearly need more. So I ate the rest of the dosage that we were given and I bypassed anything that was emotional or spiritual or connecting, like grounding me. And instead I fainted. I don't know, it like came over me and I just had the weirdest reaction and literally fell to the ground. And this isn't to scare people. This is just truly what happened to me. And then I was able to go to my bed and I was recognizing, you know, in the book, your setting. My setting was so off. It was so horrible. It was a college apartment that was so small and my bedroom was hot pink and black and my living room was cluttered and I had no fresh flowers and there was barely any sunlight. And I realized looking back how dumb I was. I didn't know anything about it because I went in naively and like now I've learned. So whether someone is out there that had a, maybe let's say in a qu air quotes, a bad first trip, or they're just scared to try the first time, do you recommend the very first time microdosing or do you recommend the very first time lemon teching? And please feel free to explain both. I will, yeah. That's a really good question and such a great and like relatable anecdote. I mean, my first time was not that much different, right? Because yeah, no one really, it's not like your mom tells you, you know, like, and, you know, and they yeah, might no. educate you about drinking a little or sex or something, but like, it's not like no one tells you. Yeah, this there's stuff, no like, right? honey, let's have the mushroom talk. <laughs> well, not yet. I mean, parents our age might. <laughs> It's like a classic rookie mistake also to take more when you're not feeling it. So yeah, if other folks are listening and they haven't had a first experience, I also say wait about like two hours before adding anything else. But okay, so a microdose is a really, really small dose, um, hence the name. It's basically like so small that you barely feel it. But I do think that could be a good place to start, especially if you're a bit scared, if you have like no other psychedelic experience, if you don't even, you know, really enjoy cannabis because you get anxious or something, you know, you're not like experienced in altering your mind in that way. Like a microdose is a really good and safe place to start. Probably won't even have to do so much to your set and setting and all that. You It might be like very subtle, but I think, you know, you can, in the book, I recommend folks kind of like incrementally in, in subsequent trips, like not in the same day, just kind of like start really, really low. And then a few, maybe a few months later, it's not like, you know, you don't have to do this fast. You go a little bit higher and then you kind of see like, you know, what these different places are like and what you prefer, or you're just maybe kind of working your way up to a higher dose to see, yeah, see what that space is like, but you want to do so safely. Other folks will disagree with me and say you should go for a full 
dose for right off the bat, which is how they're sold and the mistake I made. The often they're sold in about like three and a half grams, like an eighth, and that can be a pretty strong experience for most folks, especially if you're young or you don't have any experience. I kind of get into a little like a uh, discourse about this with other folks in the psychedelic community because it can depend. Like if you're alone, definitely, or just with friends, like definitely start really low. I think. But, you know, if you're with an experienced trip sitter or maybe your partner's just really experienced and wants to, we call it, hold space for you, just kind of, you know, just be there for you, make you feel safe, answer the door if anything like happens, right? Then maybe you can start a little deeper. It's really, I think folks should do a little reading and see what kind of experience they want and, and try to aim for that. Like if you want to go a little deep, like a microdose might not be that. Well, I do want to touch on lemon teching. So that's a little bit more advanced. So lemon teching is essentially cooking your mushrooms. Like you would cook a ceviche in lime juice, right? Mushrooms, similar to shellfish, their cell walls are made out of chitin instead of cellulose. So it can be a little hard to digest them. That's why we feel a little nauseous when we eat raw mushrooms, like mm -hmm. raw psilocybin mushrooms. We don't often eat raw mushrooms, right? They're always cooked in dishes and stuff because mm -hmm. they're a little hard to digest. But the lemon tech, so you essentially grind up your mushrooms and squeeze some lime or lemon juice over it and let it sit for like 15, 20 minutes stirring. And Wait, that, when you say grind up the mushrooms, you mean like chop them or like I powder? I prefer a powder, I, but you could chop them. I don't think it'll be as strong of an experience. And that's kind of the whole point of lemon teching is that it makes it a stronger experience. So just powdering anything because there's more surface area is going to make it stronger. And then you're adding this like citric acid that cooks it, which makes it even stronger. I use the held coffee grinder to grind them up and then I clean it really well after. <laughs> Wait, so the acid isn't to maintain the experience or the high. It's to allow your body to process the food better. Yes. So by allowing your body to process the mushrooms basically like a little faster because you start basically digesting them in the cup with the lime juice, then the experience comes on a little faster and a little stronger because okay. it's like you've done some of the work that your stomach was going to do there in the cup, like cooking the mushrooms. What if you have that sensation that you feel like you're – you're having a horrible stomach ache, you know, God forbid you feel like you're dying. Like, it's like, oh my God, like I'm being poisoned. Like what's, what's the right thing to do in that situation? Know that A, you're not dying. You're definitely not dying. I promise. And B, the nausea will pass. It's usually just part of the come up. And so there's not a really good answer except for like, take some deep breaths, like remind yourself like this too shall pass. It's like what my best friend always says. <laughs> I do feel like personally, I always get nauseous. Lemon teching and making it into a tea can help the nausea a little, but can also, like I've been saying, kind of potentiate the experience. So you might still get like the fear, which could just express itself as nausea, right? A lot of folks kind of get nervous belly. That butterfly belly feeling is pretty common. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So it's just like you. I think the best advice I can give is know that that's part of the experience. Probably have like a few more hours of having, you know, your psychedelic experience without the nausea. It's usually on like the, the way up and then you mm -hmm. kind of like plateau and you feel a little better. Mm -hmm. You can have some like ginger candy. Sometimes that helps folks. I often don't want to eat anything. So the thought of just like any food or candy is like, eh. I was going to ask you, the way to digest the mushrooms with just a little bit of food? For nausea, it's best not to have any food in your stomach, really. Like, I advise folks, like, don't fast totally because then you could have, like, a stronger experience. And if it's one of your first times, that could be a little overwhelming. But I say, like, it's kind of like when you're ready for your next meal, like, have mushrooms instead. So, like, maybe you ate, like, four hours ago and you're starting to get hungry again, then have your mushrooms. And what about so, hydration? Yeah, I mean, you'll kind of forget to drink water. So bring your water, like, make sure it's, like, around and keep drinking water. It's not, like, super dehydrating like other substances. Like, you know, they talk about MDMA and water. It's not really, like that so much just make sure you have a little around you'll probably get thirsty you do kind of like forget those normal human things a little i will say the deeper you go and 
and then you kind of like when you're coming out of it, you'll be like, God, I have this headache. Like, I guess I'm dehydrated because I've just been, you know, sitting here and thinking for four hours or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the food thing's debatable. Just eat light and healthy kind of helps. People will throw up if they eat them right after like a big rich meal. That can kind of cause you to, you know, you have like a big curry or something. And then, <laughs> yeah, I've heard stories. Oh, I've my heard gosh. a lot of stories. <laughs> Ooh. so keep it light and healthy i think is the best way to go Okay, so I want to recap so far. People who are listening can have a better understanding. So if it's their, let's say it's their first time, they're going to want to choose ahead if they want to experience a microdose or if they want to experience a little bit more grams and either do this alone or with someone who is going to be their like, sober watcher or maybe a friend who has already done Yeah, this. I wouldn't say totally alone for your first time, just to interject a little. I think it is safer to at least always tell someone what you're doing. It's like a harm reduction thing, just in case, I don't know, you feel really scared, you feel like you're dying. Yeah. It's best to let someone know what's up for sure. Okay, so we have a friend who's there. And then we are having a light, healthy breakfast in the morning. And then we are either, if it's our first time, we're going to opt to not lemon tech. We'll ingest the dosage, whatever it is, four-ish hours later, maybe around lunchtime. And now we're waiting at least two hours to feel an effect. So how long? Well, the effect can come on faster. I was saying um, wait two hours. If you thought it wasn't coming on and you wanted to eat more, So what I always do actually when I eat my dose is I'll write it down on a piece of paper like and leave it on my kitchen table just because like time and all those things, you, you Yeah. do keep track of them, but you kind of want to lose them. But it's No, I love it's that. good to know. I'll be like, all right, 3.07, <laughs> I was done. And like Yeah. hours later, I can be like, oh, you know, what time is it now? Oh, I took them at three. Like, oh, like, I don't know. Oh, it'll probably be over in like three hours. Or, you know, you can kind of like time when it'll be like Yeah. unwinding down to – But it can come on – it depends on how you consume them and how much food you had in your stomach, but anywhere between like 15, 30 minutes and two hours. Like it might take a really long time and you might get antsy to like That was me. – yeah, have your experience. Totally. I, mine took a really long time and that's why I like got in my car and started driving and then it was like, oh, fuck, this is tripping. Like this is not – I was really close to home. My It was my best friend's house, and I live like three miles down like a country road in New Jersey, but still like um, Yeah, never again. never again. You learned. <laughs> Thank yeah, God you're okay. right? So how long is the come up? <laughs> How long is the experience? And how long is the come down? yeah, it's a great question. Like I said, it is a little different for everyone, but – The whole experience is generally between four and eight hours. Typically, six is a pretty good average. But, you know, I will say, like, after it's done at hour six, you're still in a very, like, sensitive place, even though you're not in the full experience. So it's not like six hours and you, like, go to work or do something really intense. Like, six hours and then I would say, like, have a good night's sleep and then, you know, continue on with your life. But the come up is like the first hour or two. And it's kind of the worst part of the trip, to be honest. And it's the hardest. You're kind of adjusting between these two worlds. Definitely. It's the most nausea. It's the most anxiety. But what I've found personally is that always kind of like comes to a head and you kind of like plateau or you reach a kind of like peak eventually where it's the strongest and then you kind of slowly wind down and that all takes about six to eight hours for me typically and um another thing i talk about in the book is mushrooms are kind of weird and tricky um we call them tricksters for a reason but they kind of like come in waves so it can kind of feel like you're not feeling it anymore or something and then on like 20 minutes later you're like in the grass crying over like something that happened 20 years ago. Just like be really gentle with yourself and just kind of remember that it can come in waves. So even if it feels like a lull, it's not exactly, doesn't mean that it's the end of the whole experience. It just probably means that you're just kind of like, you know, kind of riding a tide in a way. Yeah. And to just, just be gentle with yourself the whole time. This is my best advice. That's a really good tip. I know I mentioned earlier how I didn't have like a true experience, especially since I like fainted. And then when I went to my bedroom, I was just like there. But 
I actually, from my bed, just like literally laying there looking around, my curtains were moving and I saw like faces like in the, yeah. I guess the tops of the curtains. And I remember thinking, I feel like this has been days. Like how is this still happening? <laughs> but rather than fighting it, I like kind of rode the wave yeah, of what I was that's... feeling and then it was good. So I mm -hmm. want to just like put that in there because I want people to be like, oh my God, she had the worst trip ever. I'm never doing this. The beginning was horrible and I'm never taking that much to start unless it's been the two hour mark, which thank you for that, you know, time frame. But towards the end when it really was either the plateau or coming down, then it was a much more natural experience to what it should have been. And I was inside in a hot pink bedroom. So like imagine if I was outside really being grounded my dream is to go to California and not do yoga, but <laughs> that's really so it. rude. No, no, I agree with you. It's, <laughs> I, I didn't come from that background either. And trust me, I'm not an expert in this field, but I do find it fascinating. So I would love to experience that firsthand really, truly in nature. Yeah. Yeah. I think like the really popular spot out near LA is Joshua Tree, right? Yes, like a right of passage for folks who like grew up in the area too. Like they're like, well, yeah, you know, I was 19 with my best friends. We all went to Joshua Tree. I'm like, I know how this story ends. Well, I hope it's good. That's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, I've never done that either. I mean, you know, you're from Philly, right? Like we're from similar yeah. parts of the world. I will say that just like the woods in Pennsylvania and New Jersey, if you find a beautiful little secluded spot, someone's backyard, or you rent a little cabin upstate yeah. or something, can also be really beautiful. Just like for me, doing it outside requires a lot of privacy. And so often at like a state park or campground, you don't actually get that. Campgrounds are like really on top of each other often. But if you can find a place with like a private view and just like, you know, you don't have to like wave to everyone when they walk by and stuff because it's just so overwhelming and I cannot. Yeah, if you can find a nice private spot, it can just be so beautiful to connect with nature in that way. It's hard to put into words, but it just like, it's so healing for the soul. It's so good. And I really wish everyone could have that, but I do recognize that most folks don't live in an environment where that's possible. We're all living in little apartments and our only access to nature are these crowded parks and stuff. And those are just not really ideal places to have a spiritual experience. So just be really picky with your you know, location and, and wait till something really feels right. Maybe save up a little money and rent a little Airbnb somewhere for the weekend. You know, there's so many little things you can do to make it more special and that that just kind of adds to having a special trip like if you do a little bit of preparation in your mind you're just kind of like building it up to be the special thing and funny thing about mushrooms they really like tune into that and they'll make it a special thing because you you know it just like it's just this whole process now we're getting cycle. Woo -woo. <laughs> yeah. i love it though I, I could get woo-woo too, but yeah, like listen to yourself, right? And like yeah. what is what feels right. And I do think for a lot of folks, maybe staying home is okay, right? Just to like feel it out, see what this whole thing is like. And then maybe, yeah, I do have some tips in the book like you started mentioning, like buying some fresh cut flowers and putting them around the house can be nice. Just making sure it's tidy and nice helps. I Just personally, because I'm like a stress cleaner. I don't want to start stress cleaning in the middle of my experience. But even the simple things like your curtains or the texture of the wood on your desk or your walls can just start to like, you know, if you just kind of rest your eyes and watch and just kind of rest your mind, like you can start to see faces and shapes and that can be kind of cool. You just got to yeah, just kind of roll with it and know totally. that it ends eventually. And, you know, you're here for any lessons that may come. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's that. <laughs> Do you recommend journaling while you're having an experience or maybe at the end, do you quickly – jot some ideas down so you don't forget? Yeah, so I do definitely recommend having a journal around, but I will say like be gentle with yourself on like trying to capture every idea while you're on the experience because it can just be like a little tiring and even a little distracting for kind of letting yourself go deep if you're trying to like take, you know, minutes. But yeah, when you're like coming down and you're feeling more like yourself and like before you go to bed or just the next day when you wake up, I really recommend folks journal as much as they can in that time. I think if, especially if you're trying to use this for some kind of like growth or lessons, 
like writing the stuff down that happened or that you thought about is really one of the like easiest ways you can utilize your experience for some kind of growth. And it might not all happen right away, but like jotting down those ideas and then like revisiting them either by reading it later or thinking, just continuing to engage it and think about it critically, like I think is is one of the best ways that you can start to to integrate your experience to use another like psychedelic community word, which is basically like just processing your trip and yeah, trying to use it for some kind of growth or change or just like perspective, you know. I also kind of like to journal a little bit before to kind of just like see where I'm at. And then there's often like a very big difference between like my journal entries a few hours before I took the mushrooms and like the next day and kind of seeing. I love that. Yeah, I'm it's really fascinating. That's so smart. It's really cool. I'm really learning a lot about myself. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I encourage folks. You can even have like a little separate journal for maybe your, you know, psychedelic experiences or just like if you're already a journaler, just make sure you just keep doing it. A lot of substances have a time frame where after you use it, experience it, there's like a lull, almost a negative lull where you are like, yeah. do you find that with mushrooms? Typically, no. Typically, like compared to even like LSD or MDMA, like other common psychedelics, no, I get more of like an afterglow often where I feel like really good and like re-motivated and like refound my purpose. It doesn't always last. I will say that the next day I can be really tired. And so I try to be gentle with myself and not like schedule any big plans or make sure it's like a Sunday. I'll have to work, you know, don't have to have like a lot of pressure. There is a lot of news about psilocybin for depression. And I will say that... Yes. You know, that's definitely true, but if you overdo it, like, I don't know, if you take mushrooms every weekend or something, I think it can kind of catch up and it can just be really exhausting and maybe a little just like too existential. You know, you can go a little deep and question things about society and yourself and that can get a little just hard to navigate if you're doing it too much. And so I do recommend folks keep it special and just try to space out your experiences as much as you can. So, so it stays, you know, as positive as you can, because yeah, like just being tired and a little shooken up is normal. And if you feel really shooken up, stuff came loose that you, you know, are struggling to deal with. There's a lot of coaches and therapists now that do psychedelic integration. So if you are out there and you kind of struggle and maybe you're um, struggling with the experience you had, they can be really great resources to talk it out and to try to process it in a, in a healthy way. There's also like groups that you can attend. They're called integration circles and you can go and talk and listen to other folks who have had similar experiences and it can really help to not only be seen and, and talk about it, but also to listen to other people and kind of like start to make sense of your own experience through theirs. And so many of those groups and resources are now online, you know, virtual. So if even if you don't live in a big city, you can still benefit from some of these kinds of resources. Sometimes you do need a little extra help. This is pretty deep work. And I do talk about it and I laugh and it's fun, but it's also pretty heavy and so get prepared and or do your homework and don't take it super lightly, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't, you know, experiment as well. I'm glad you shared that. Thank you. When you're saying to keep it special and not do, you know, weekend after weekend, are you suggesting maybe like quarterly? What's like a general time frame we could we could say? Yeah, that's what I recommend in the book, like quarterly or seasonally. If you're like really into it, I think a lot of folks do it even less, you know? maybe yearly, maybe every six months. I've been on a like a quarterly kick recently just because, I don't know, I feel like there's so much I want to learn in that space. Psychedelics are often in the media for a depression cure. It doesn't mean that the more you do it, the less depressed you are. Uh, there's definitely like a lot of uh, nuance to this work that you start to just learn intuitively as you start using and reading about it. Yeah, I think quarterly is safe. <laughs> feel feel for, you know, how you feel. Often like once another three months goes by, you're like, oh, there's no way I can go into that deep space again right now. Or maybe you really feel like it's time again and you just kind of listen to your gut. 
<laughs> yeah, a lot of intuition, it seems. Yeah. Do you suggest that microdosing is the best way to combat depression or you're talking like full on doses? A lot of research on this, not so much for microdosing. A lot of the microdosing research is saying that that's mostly placebo honestly. Um, mm. And that the research that's showing, you know, six months to a year depression relief is from full doses, you know, in a doctor's office with the before and after care. So you're not just taking a pretty high dose of mushrooms or two. You also, you know, do all this prep work with a, a like a doctor, psychiatrist, therapist in these clinical trials. And then they often give like two to four follow-up integration processing therapy sessions as well, which is a really big part of, I think, how they're getting those results for depression. It's more of like therapy and psychedelics equals mm. depression relief. But, you know, if that's something you're really curious about and can't seem to get into a clinical trial, there are other options, you know, like contacting one of these integration therapists or coaches before you have your experience and then they can help you prep. You could have your experience maybe with a friend or a loved one or a retreat or something, and then continue to see that same coach or therapist for a few months as you process um, and maybe make changes in your life. That's often what people see, I think, for the depression relief stuff or or other, you know, there's studies on addiction and OCD and stuff. And I think it's often that in your experience when you have your perspective shift, you kind of see things that you're doing that aren't serving your wellness and then mm -hmm. you have to, that's the hard work of integration. You have to go back to your life and make some tough changes sometimes, make some tough decisions, but that can maybe, you know, help your your mental health and wellness in the rest of your life. I was going to say, it's not that the mushroom necessarily is switching an on off button in your brain I wish. to no longer <laughs> yeah to no longer be an addict or to no longer be depressed or whatever it may be it's that mind shift of almost an epiphany or yeah, a revelation very similar. during your experience yeah i think that is so cool and something that people should really heavily take into consideration when researching and learning more about this. Yeah, I think that the whole idea that there could be a drug that just turns like a switch on enough is just kind of a fantasy. I don't really believe it exists. It's too bad because that would be really easy and convenient. This work can be really hard. It can be a lot of seeing yourself. It can be, that's why it can be a lot of crying, I think, in the actual experience because it's like, oh my God, I can't believe I make that same mistake over and over and over and it's causing me all this pain every time. But seeing it from that new lens can help you be the disruptor in your own life and change it. And I do like to try to be real about this stuff because sometimes in the media, it does kind of sound like mushrooms are this magic on-off switch and... Isn't kind that of, interesting that yeah. like all along for however many years it's been evil, bad drug, it's a bad drug. And now you're seeing this shift of look at this, look at the opportunity it can possess. What is going on in your opinion? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to like uh, navigate. I know. It's crazy. It's exciting. I kind of like wished my whole life that we could change the narrative around drug use, right? And now it's happening. And it can just kind of feel like there's this whole other narrative now, though. And you know that there's like a certain right and wrong way to do all this. And if you're not doing it in this very like capitalist model with like an expensive doctor or something, you're doing it wrong. It's not going to work. And I don't like that and I try to push back against it gently because we're just going to replace one narrative that made people feel bad with a different one that makes them, isolates them and doesn't really take into account what folks have been doing for decades kind of underground. It's like now everyone is like at dinner parties with my family or something, people are like, Michelle, you were so ahead of your time when five years ago they're like, Michelle, you are crazy. What are you doing? I'm still figuring it out. It's exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. <laughs> I know we just met, but I'm going to tell you maybe it's TMI. Please. I love it. <laughs> okay. So after this is the first experience. After that trip, I had the most trouble going poop. I don't know if this is like not spoken about on purpose, but I've heard so many things about mushrooms. Never once was that a topic. So I just am putting this out there 
you might have trouble pooping, right? That is not uncommon. Kind of just like dry or hard to get out or something. It's something about the dried mushrooms, I think. Yeah. Also, farting is pretty common if we're going to go there. I didn't even go there in the book. But maybe next edition, I need like a butt chapter because please, <laughs> yeah, more so woo, more butts. Yeah, right. Like I uh, actually uh, about a year ago, I was the like a trip sitter on a retreat in Mexico, and I had a woman come from Florida. I love her, and she was like a fifty-year-old mom, and she had been experimenting a little with mushrooms. She had lost her husband a few years ago for grief. And, you know, and wanted to come do it in a ceremonial setting, which was different than just using them alone as she was doing like every once in a while in her home. And she was like, Michelle, I've never done them around so many people. I think I'm going to have to like fart and poop the whole time. And I was like, you know what, girl? I almost said her name. I won't say her name. But you just like raise your hand in the circle and I'll take you to the bathroom and you can just do whatever you want. Like it's it's normal. Like, yeah, it's normal. You're... We're just not used to eating dry, raw mushroom material, like more, I think, than it has anything to do with the psychedelic compounds, kind of really weird for our bodies. Yeah, it's not just affecting your mind, it's totally affecting your body. You feel your body pretty differently. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it can be, it can be great. It can also be weird and it can be gassy. (laughs) Are there any other ways, by the way, to ingest mushrooms aside from tea, the lemon teching powder situation or microdose? Is there like another option? Um, a lot of folks like them in chocolate and there can be like a synergy between cacao and mushrooms. And yeah, they're preserved in cacao in Mexico and honey sometimes. I didn't know that for a psychedelic. I thought that was like beneficial for your wellness, like like chaga or reishi or lion's No, it's meat been a popular way also to serve psilocybin mushrooms. They sell them like that in, in Amsterdam. Um, some folks report like potentiate the experience a little. I do think that there might be like MAOIs or MAOs in chocolate and those do potentiate most psychedelics, psilocybin included. And that's kind of part of like ayahuasca, how it's made, like it's DMT and an MAOI combined, which makes it like the brew that really is like very psychedelic Wait, and spiritual. M-A-I-O-M-A-O-I? Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you brought this up and I'm glad that I'm asking because yeah, someone out there definitely doesn't Definitely. Know. So yeah, M-A-O-I stands for monoanamine oxidase inhibitors. I might be saying that wrong, but they're also quite involved in like antidepressants and how antidepressants work. And and this is in the chocolate or this is in the actual mushrooms? Actually, so a recent study came out that there's a little bit in actual mushrooms, but I was referring wow. to the chocolate. I'm pretty sure cacao is like a natural MAOI. Mm-hmm. I did a little research into this last year, people who are combining mushrooms with MAOIs to have a stronger or longer experience. Syrian rue is the most popular one to mix. It's called, when you mix Syrian rue and psilocybin, people call it psilowaska because it makes the mushroom experience last more like 10 to 12 hours instead of like eight. But be careful with Syrian rue because that can actually be a little toxic at the wrong dose. So you have to really know what you're doing. I would say a lot of folks who I've talked to about this recommended trying Syrian rue on its own first and learning how your body reacts because it is a little psychoactive. Where do you get that? I think it's legal. I think you can like order it online. Yeah, that's not illegal. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me double check. It's this world. Yeah, it's a wild world once you start getting into all this like psychedelic plant medicine stuff. Wow. How are you in your day-to-day? Like are you a – holistic wellness person or are you all about Western medicine or you just take what the doctor says? I'm not really big into like supplements and stuff. I feel like they kind of affect my mood too much and I'm a pretty sensitive person. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I go to a a normal doctor when I get sick. I'm a pretty normal person really. I'm interested (laughs) in like, you know, natural and like holistic wellness, but at the moment, I can't really afford it, so I just take what I can get. I'm not on any, like, daily medications or anything. 
I just try to eat well. I'm not like vegan or anything, but um, I do try to limit my meat intake and I eat a lot of mushrooms now <laughs> and just try to do my best with what I got. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the way to go about it. But yes, yeah, Syrian rue is, is an uncontrolled plant extract in, in America. The chemical is called Paganum harmala. I think I'm saying that wrong. But yeah, you can buy the seeds legally in the U.S. But yeah, like I said, just be careful out there. Learn how to use them first before mixing them. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow, wow. I ask everyone who comes on, what's a recent product that you have purchased or gifted, sampled, whatever it may be that you love? Yeah. Brandon Teller's first book was called Real Life and came out last year and it was so good and he just has a new book called filthy animals that i'm really into that's awesome thank you so much for coming on i feel like we as the audience me included just learned so so much your book is an amazing resource i'll give a little plug here let me show the little the beautiful cover one more time no really though this is a fantastic resource and i think what's most important for anyone to take away aside from not doing anything harmful you know just keeping an open mind when it comes to psilocybin in general, substances in general, mushrooms specifically, it can really open your mind and you can have some pretty big epiphanies if you go with it and don't fight yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just invite it in. I do really feel like it can just be a really powerful and beneficial experience for a lot of folks. Even if you just do it once or twice out of curiosity, it can just really help you see the world a little bit, you know, just like better. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Before I let you go, share how people can get in touch with you if they want to buy your book or ask you questions, anything like that. Sure. Yeah. So I have a website, michellejanikian.com. I do sell some copies of my book on there, but it's available anywhere, bookshop, Amazon, like wherever you buy books, it'll probably be there. And I am pretty active on Instagram. My handle is at michelle.janikian. And yeah, you can, um, you know, send me some questions and stuff on there. I'm also a regular podcaster on the Psychedelics Today podcast. So if you want to keep, you know, listening to my work, you can listen to their Friday segment. I'm usually on there and I edit their blog. So I'm trying to bring in some other cool psychedelic work into the world in that way. So those are all my current projects. And yeah, the book is your psilocybin mushroom companion. Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate your time. Thank you. This was a blast. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share with your friends, family, loved ones, really anyone who you think would gain value from this episode. And if you're feeling up for it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It means so, so much. 